want to share with you from Matthew 5. Okay, Matthew 5, chapter 5, uh, verses 13 to 16. And in there, in there is verse 14, which is our camp theme verse this year. Okay, and, and you know, I want to share with you what I believe as a ministry um, we need to focus on and, and, and embody. And, you know, not just in this last quarter of 2017, but, but really moving forward as well. Actually, does anybody remember I preached on this passage last year? Oh, wow, you remember. I thought like nobody remember. I just rehashed the whole thing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's a fresh sermon, okay? And, 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 and I believe this is really something we need to focus on, think about um, as a ministry at this point. And, you know, I, I tried to think of some cool, catchy title. Um, but, but really wanna, what I want to talk about is, is really this sentence, okay, from Matthew 5.14. You are the light of the world. And, and we'll, read, we'll read the passage soon. But this is the sentence that, that really struck me, you know, because a while ago I was, I was reading and thinking about this passage. And, and, and it struck me that, that this is a huge thing, you know. It's a big thing that Jesus is saying about us, right? Because Jesus also said this about himself, right? If you read in John, he said it's about himself. He said, I am the light of the world. Right? John 8, 12. And if Jesus is the light of the world, then how can I also be the light of the world? He said, I am the light of the world. Then he says, you are the light of the world. Like, how does that even, how, like, how can that be? I am the light of the world. No, I'm just, I'm just Joanne, you know. I just, I pastor a small youth ministry and I like drinking bubble tea and that's it, right? That's, that's me, right? But, but Jesus says, no, you are the light of the world. It's like, what? Light, and it's light of the world. It's not like you are the light of PPH or, you know, you are the light of, I don't know, Bundesia or something. You know, it's like you are the light of the world. I, I mean, like, sometimes I wear bright shoes or bright lipstick or, or you know, whatever, or, or some bright stuff like Joe's bright shoes. <laughs> but, but do I shine like the light of the world? And, and as I was meditating on, on this passage, you know, I kept thinking, I kept having these images of my, in my mind, right, of how if I'm really the light of the world, then, then like, everywhere I go, that, that there would be this, like, light coming out, you know? It's like, like, like kind of like this, you know? Like, you're walking, oh, 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 you're, like, you're walking around Vivo City and you're just like, shing, shing, you know? Like, like the light is, is shining, you know? Or like, or, like, maybe you're just sitting in your classroom, but then, like, shing, shing, you know? Like, every room you walk into is like, there's this like light and, and I'm like it, it should be like this right if you are um, the light of the world right it's kind of like in, in, in similarly in 2nd Corinthians um, Paul writes thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere so it's like everywhere you go there's this smell it's like oh somebody just walked into the room oh it is the fragrance the aroma of Christ you know should it be like that like when, when, when everywhere we go is like, ding, ding, you know, like radiating light. You walk into a room and we're just like, whoa, sunglasses, you know. Like, is it like that? You are the light of the world. And, you know, we talk about it all the time, right? Being, being salt and light. And I know that being salty has kind of taken on a, a different meaning nowadays. Like, 
like a, a you know, this is like salty. It's not not very good. But but let's focus on what the Bible means. Okay, like what does it actually mean to be salt and to be light? Okay, that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's pray, and then we will read the passage and we'll talk about it. Okay, let's pray. Father, I ask that you will speak to us today. God, right now, would you prepare our hearts? God, prepare our hearts to be convicted by you. And Spirit, we pray that you will really speak to, to each of us today. Father, I pray that we will not um, just hear, hear your word and, and, and take it as some intellectual points. But God, I pray that your word will truly convict us and change our lives and transform us and, 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 and really make us a new creation so God, we invite you to speak to us today. Um, Holy Spirit, have your, have your way and, and prepare us to respond to you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so let's turn to Matthew chapter 5. It's just four verses, a very short passage. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 onwards. Okay, if you're there, say salty. Nice, okay. Matthew 5.13 says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So, what does it mean to be salt of the earth and light of the world? I'm going to give you two points today that I think will be pretty easy to remember. And I, I think this is what it means to be salt and to be light. First is this, that Christians are meant to penetrate non-Christian society. Okay, we're meant to, be, to, to, to go out there, okay? And secondly, um, Christians are to be radically different from non-Christians, okay? So these are two things I'm going to talk about today, that we need to go into the world, penetrate non-Christian society, but we also need to be radically different from non-Christians. And so to sum it up, we have to be in the world, but not of the world, okay? Be in the world, but not of the world. And I think that, what, that is what being salt and being light means. That's what Jesus is talking about in this passage, okay? So, let's start with the first point, okay? To be in the world, Christians have to penetrate non-Christian society. You know, in Jesus' day, and I, I, I think it would be the same today, salt and light were things that were found in every household. Very common, normal things. You know, it's not like, like, uh, like obscure, strange things, right? In almost every house, you will definitely find salt and light. And, and I believe that as Christians, in the same way, we are meant to be everywhere. You know, we are meant to be in the world. And we are meant to be like salt and light, useful, contributing members of society, right? Yes, we are called to be morally distinct, but we are not called to be socially segregated, right? Verse 14 says, when you are light, you are not meant to be put under a bowl. Because if, if, if you do that, then what's the point of light? You're meant to give light to everyone 
in the house. And in the same way, salt, when you use salt, it has to be rubbed into the meat, right? The salt and light are both penetrating elements. The salt has to penetrate whatever meat or, or food it is rubbed into, and light has to penetrate and pierce the darkness. And so I believe what this means for us as Christians is we're not meant to gather in a, like a holy huddle and then have absolutely nothing to do with the world. And I don't know if this is something you struggle with, but for me, especially now as a pastor, this is something that, that, that I really struggle with. You know, it's definitely a struggle because my colleagues are all Christians, right? I, 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 I see and I meet with and I talk to Christians like all day, every day. And, and you know, I, I listen to Christian music and I read Christian books and I'm like doing Christian stuff and like I follow Christian social media accounts and, I, and all that. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. And I mean, it's great. But because of that, I, I also actually have to then make a conscious uh, effort to also hang out with my non-Christian friends or with non-Christian people, right? Like, like this weekend is, is a really busy weekend for me. I have, I have some church meetings tonight and tomorrow night. And, you know, I was preparing for this sermon and I was like trying to do some stuff for Bible school and, and, and like I'm in church all weekend. Um, but tomorrow, my, second, my secondary school friends are meeting up, and I'm so tempted to be like, sorry guys, I just, I'm really tired, I'm really busy, but no, I cannot stay in my Christian little bubble, you know, because we're called to be, to be light, right? Light of the world, not light of the church, right? The church is light already. And, and you know, when Jesus was on earth, um, people called him a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. This is how he lived his life. He hung out with like tax collectors, sinners, you know, like unsavory people all the time. So, so he, you know, that's how much time he gave to non-Christians in his life. You know, he wasn't always just preaching and teaching and praying. He was, he was in the world. He didn't just do like christian stuff all the time. And, and so I really believe that Christians have to um, penetrate non-Christian society, and shine the light of Jesus. And, and, you know, I think shining the light of Jesus refers to, yes, telling people, you know, the good news of salvation, um, sharing the gospel. But I think shining the light of Jesus also refers to bringing light and hope and, and love and help in, in very practical ways. Right? Verse 16 says, Let your light shine before men, that they may see your, what? Good deeds, right? That they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Which means that as Christians, we are meant to do good deeds for others. Not that doing good deeds will save us or, you know, uh, uh, bring us salvation. But good, doing good deeds will point people to God. And that's how the rest of the world will see God and praise God when we do good things. And that is why some of you will know that, you know, sometimes we go to another country and, and we do missions. You know, we don't just go there and, and share the gospel, like repent for the kingdom of God is near, right? We don't just go there and say a lot of things. We do good things for the community, right? We build schools or, or hospitals or orphanages. You know, some of you have gone on mission trips, right? We sponsor children. Um, we have feeding programs, medical programs. You know, we, we teach them stuff. We, we be useful and helpful, and that is why as a church, we have set up a community services center in Teban Gardens, right? And we have all these activities, like we have tuition for kids, you know, we have 
free lunches. We try to see like which household needs financial assistance. You know, we, we go capping. We give them gifts. Um, we do a carnival for them. Um, if they're, we know that there are old people who are lonely or people who are sick, we try to visit them. We try to help them. Um, you know, if we can, we pray for them. And because this, all these things that we do is as a church, we're trying to obey Matthew 5, 16. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And that's why you will hear of Christians as well. Many Christians, you know, in the marketplace, they, they, they want to do things for the community. I don't know if you were here last week at the main service. Um, Jason Wong, he talked about the Yellow Ribbon Project, right, about, about setting um, prisoners free, you know, about rehabilitation of prisoners. Um, some of you may remember the main service, this lady called Jennifer Hing. She set up um, a, a centre to support unplanned pregnancies, right? Um, and then you will hear of, you know, Christians in Singapore, like, coming together for blood donation drive to, you know, help the Red Cross, to raise money, um, send a rescue team wherever there's a natural disaster. Um, you'll hear, like, Christians all over the world, you know, they, they work with, like, the refugee crisis and, 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 you know, they stop human trafficking and they're involved in, like, bringing clean water to some backward village and, and all that kind of stuff. And as Christians, we do all these things not because we want to, like, score points with God, right, or because we want to earn our way to heaven. Like, hopefully we do this, then it makes up for all the horrible things that we do because salvation is only by, by God's grace and through faith. Right, so it's not, it's not to like score points or earn salvation. And we don't do good because we just want to win converts, like increase our numbers. Right, it's not to blackmail them like, oh, we help you, then you better join our religion, right? I mean, it's not like, oh, we give you a pomelo, you better come to our church event, that, that kind of thing, right? It's not, it's not a, a um, you know, yes, it may create opportunities for us to build relationships and share the gospel. But the key thing is that we want to do Matthew 5, 16. Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise our Father in heaven. Because Jesus said to us, you are the light of the world. So this is what we're called to do as Christians. It's what we're called to do. Not because we just, you know, want to feel good by doing some charity work or whatever. This is what we're trying to do. We're trying to do good deeds so that people will praise our Father in heaven. And so, so let's get closer to home, okay? What does this mean then for us in Lao Gen? Okay? That we, we here, are the light of the world, that you, each of you, you are the light of the world. And you know, you, you may not be saving refugees or fighting cancer yet, um, but you know, you can still be the light of the world wherever you are placed, right? You can still bring encouragement to your classmates when they are discouraged. You can offer friendship to people who maybe don't have friends, you, know, you can help those who are in need. You can love those who are difficult to love. You know, you can find small ways or, or even big ways to be a blessing to those around you. I mean, sometimes it's just about being a good friend, you know, a listening ear and, and, and just be useful to the people around you, you know, be, be, be nice and, and be helpful to the people around you. I don't know if some of you feel, uh, no, I cannot, I cannot. I just, I cannot. I'm weak and I'm too shy. I'm not shiny, and I'm just, I'm not nice. Like, you know, I'm, I'm just not a nice person. That's how I feel. <laughs> I'm just not a nice person, you know. But, sorry, not sorry, it's, it's really not about you, right? It's not about how influential or, or nice or loving we are on our own, because, yeah, we have no goodness on our own, right? We are wretched, poor, pitiful, blind, and naked. But if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, 
the old has gone, the new has come. And Jesus gives us His love and His influence and His strength. You know, this week was the Mooncake Festival, right? Did you see the full moon? Yeah? So, we're, it, it's just like we're like the moon, right? The moon has no light of its own. It only reflects the light of the sun. And we have no light of our own, but we reflect the light of Jesus. And when you look up, hey, the moon's quite bright, right? But actually, it's not its own light. It, it reflects the light of the sun. I don't know if, you hear, if you've heard the Planet Shaker. It's an old Planet Shaker song called, I want to be a reflector. Oh, yeah, if you have, you're really old, man. <laughs> I want to be a reflector. You know, that's what we need to do. We need to reflect the love of Jesus. And, and you know, Lao Jen, I, I really believe that as a ministry and as individuals, that we really need to start looking beyond ourselves. You know, there's this song, right? Tear down the walls, right? It says, tear down the walls, see the world, right? Tear down the walls, you know, don't, don't stay in your holy huddle. Is there something we have missed? Turn from ourselves, look beyond. There is so much more than this. Because we don't exist simply for ourselves. And you know, as a ministry, as Lao Jen, we absolutely cannot be content to just stay as a holy huddle, you know? And like every week we come and we're like, yay, church family, and you know, okay, just give me all these reminders of how much God loves me and God will help me with all my problems. And we encourage each other, we pat each other on the back. And you know, all that is good and fine, but it cannot stop there. That is not the only thing we exist to do. And yes, I know we all have struggles and problems and I'm not discounting that, right? Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and I will give you rest. But he also said, you are the light of the world. And so, loud Jen, we need to start looking beyond ourselves. We need to get on a stand and give light to everyone, to people in your school, to people in your class, you know, your, your army camp. When we have loud fat with the BB boys, we should all be like, ching, shining, right? Shining with the light of Christ. Whenever we go to Hevangarnas, we do capping, right? We, we visit the homes, we should be shining with the light of Christ because a city on a hill cannot and should not and must not be hidden. And I really believe that our youth ministry, we cannot just be satisfied with doing our own thing, you know, week after week, we, we come in here, we feel good, and then we go home and we just don't look out and we don't reach out. We have to shine the light of Jesus brighter, right? Loud gen, we need to get louder. Yes, we need to get louder about the love and the light of Jesus. We need to get louder about sharing the gospel, whether by the way we live or, or, or you know, the good deeds we do or just telling people about Jesus. And that's why this year our camp is called Amplify. Because we need to turn it up. Right? We need to be a blessing to people around us. We need to impact and influence our world for Jesus. We cannot be content just to stay like this week after week. You are the light of the world. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a bowl. In fact, I mean, I'm, I'm like not a science person, but this much I know. If light is hidden under a bowl, then the oxygen can't get in, and then the fire will die. Am I right? Basic science. Even I know that, right? And I believe in the same way, metaphorically, if we refuse to take intentional steps to look out 
and share the light out and share, you know, reach out and, and shine outward, if we are constantly just looking in, like feed me, encourage me, you know, help me, meet my needs, support me, bless me, then our flame will die, right? Because we're just hiding under the bowl. The Great Commission says, go, go, not stay. Stay where you are, just be fed and filled constantly and be a happy little community by yourself. No, it says, go, go and make disciples of all nations, right? Remember, it's the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion. You are the light of the world. We have to go. And so we have to go out there and shine the light of Jesus to the world, to our world, to influence our world for Jesus. And we cannot, we cannot stay in a holy huddle, right? Salt and light has to penetrate into non-Christian society. And yet, it is a double calling that we have as Christians. On the one hand, we are called to live in the world, serve the world, witness to the world, right? We're not supposed to escape the world, however unpleasant or difficult it gets. But on the other hand, we are also called to be different from the world, right? Not to be contaminated by the world. So it's a double calling to confront but not conform, to be in the world but not of the world. And we will see this very clearly in John 17. If you turn to that passage, John chapter 17. Before Jesus went to the cross, this is what he prayed for his disciples. And his disciples, that's, that's you and I, right? Disciples of Jesus. John 17, verse 14. He's praying. I have given them your word and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. And my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, right? Not that you take them out. Christians are to penetrate non-Christian society, not escape it but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as, I, even as I am not of it. And so Jesus prays that his disciples will be in the world, but not of the world. And we are called to engage the world, but without compromising. So this is my second point, right? As Christians, we have to be radically different from non-Christians. Radically different. You know, light is different from darkness. In fact, it is the complete and polar opposite of darkness. And you know, in the, in the New Testament, every time um, they talk about light and darkness, what do they represent? Light and darkness. Just, just take a, like, wild guess. Huh? What? Yeah, good and evil, right? Light and darkness, like complete polar opposites, Right? So, let's think about salt, okay? Verse 13 says, If the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You know, if you think about it, right? Salt actually cannot lose its saltiness. Because it is sodium chloride, right? Right? Treading on dangerous grounds here. <laughs> you know, the, 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 it's NaCl, correct? Right? The, the structure or the ions or the covalent bond, I don't know, I'm just throwing out all these random terms. I don't actually know what they mean. The, the, the thing, you know, molecules, what, I don't know. They, they can't change. Right? Salt will, or they, they don't change unless you 
heat it, right? Or what? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. But anyway, it will be N-A-C-L, right? Right? It doesn't like, it's not like after a while, it, it's like only N-A, right? It, it doesn't lose. It, it, the chemical composition will still be N-A-C-L, right? So how does it lose its saltiness? What? Yeah, when you mix it, it loses its saltiness. It actually doesn't lose its saltiness, but when it is mixed with other minerals or stuff, right, when it gets mixed up with stuff, then it gets polluted, and then you can't separate the salt anymore, right? Can you imagine if you put salt and sand together, and I'm like, hey, can you separate from me? Like, how do you do? Okay, maybe there's some science experiment to do that. Let's not go there, okay? <laughs> but Jesus says, we are the salt of the earth, and we lose our saltiness, and we become effect, ineffective and useless when we get mixed up, right? When we get mixed up with the world. And that's when we can't use it anymore. And so we have just have to throw it away, right? So that's how we lose our saltiness, when we become no different and we just blend in to the world. Do you know being different from the world is a major theme, is a recurring theme in the entire Bible. You know, all through the Bible, we read about God who is calling out a people for himself, right? In the Old Testament, it would be the nation of Israel. In the New Testament, it would be the church of Jesus. He's, it, you know, the Bible is always about God calling out a people who are set apart, right? Who are meant to be holy as God is holy. And you will see this um, in the different sections of the Bible. Let me show you this. Okay, so if you roughly divide the, the Bible into four big sections, right? The first five books of the Bible, the law, Okay. Um, God tells the, the, the Israelites before they go into the promised land because they're going to encounter other nations there, right? He says, you must not do as they do in Egypt where you used to live and you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan where I am bringing you. Do not follow their practices, okay? So whether you're in slavery or you're going to the promised land, don't be like other people. That's what he's saying. Don't be like other nations, all right? And then if you read the rest of the OT, it is just like, that's the story, you know, Israel keeps forgetting this, right? Whole day, they just keep like intermarrying, they adopt other nations' gods, or they, they marry foreign people, and then they start worshipping these foreign gods, and they follow what other nations do, which is to worship these idols, right? For example, in Ezekiel, um, God rebukes them, you will know that I am the Lord, for you have not followed my decrees or kept my laws, but have conformed conform to the standards of the nations around you. And then we see this theme again in the New Testament, okay, in the teachings of Jesus, right, the Gospels. You know, this, this passage on salt and light is from Jesus' sermon, where? Which sermon? On the Mount, right? The Sermon on the Mount, okay? And actually, the entire Sermon on the Mount is Jesus explaining how we are to be different from the world that we have a different set of standards because we are called to be holy as God is holy, right? He starts off with the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Um, you know, blessed are those who are meek. It's like, what? The world doesn't say this. You don't hear this, right? Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are, no, blessed are the strong, right? Blessed are those who rejoice or whatever, right? The rich or whatever, right? But Jesus says, no, the opposite. And then, and then, if you read after the salt and light passage, Jesus goes on to say things like, um, you know, the commandment is thou shalt not commit adultery, right? But Jesus says, you know what? If you just look at a woman lustfully, you have committed adultery already, 
So very different standards, right? Very different standards. He talks about divorce, prayer, fasting, all this. And in Matthew 6, 8, he says, do not be like them. He's talking about the hypocrites who try to show off in their long prayers, right? Do not be like them. And then in the teachings of the apostles, right, Paul writes, uh, Romans 12, 2, I'm pretty sure this is a word reference verse, so you should pay attention. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. It's very clear. Be different. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not follow what other nations do, right? Do not be like them. And this is a big theme in the Bible because God calls us, His people, His disciples, to a radical non-conformity to the culture that surrounds us, right? Just because everyone does it, just because it's the culture, doesn't make it right or acceptable. God says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. And we are called to develop a Christian counter-culture, and that's how we become salt and light. Just think about our world today, right? If we are the light of the world, how do, we re- how do we respond when our culture of pluralism, for example, says all religions are the same? You know, they all teach you to be good. You have your religion. I have mine. Don't try to convert me. You know, we're, we're just all fine. We're all, it's all truth. If you believe in the absolute truth of the Bible, then we will know and we will believe that Jesus is the only way, the way, the truth and life. Right? He is the only one who can save us from our sins. Right? He's the only one. He has no rival. He has no equal. He's the only one. How do we respond as light of the world when we live in a culture of materialism? Right? Which says appearances are everything. You know, material possessions will bring you happiness. Right? Popularity on, on social media will give your life meaning. You know, you, you, must, you must look good and you must earn a lot of money and buy lots of nice stuff or achieve academic success, career success, to give us our self-worth. I mean, the Bible has so much to say on this that is counter-culture, right? Job says, naked I come, no naked I depart, right? The Bible says, store up treasures in heaven, not on earth. First Timothy, you know, we brought nothing into this world, we can take nothing out of it. It's completely counter-culture. And of course, the big example would be, you know, our culture today has um, views on sex and marriage that are completely different from what the Word of God says, completely different. Right? Our culture today says, you know, it's the 21st century, you know, don't hold on to old-fashioned ideals about sex. We have freedom to love. You can have sex with whoever you choose, whenever, however. You don't need to be constrained by a marriage relationship because, you know, marriage is just a ceremony. You know, it's just a social construct, right? It can be between a man and a man. Marriage can be between three people. You can marry yourself. Whatever makes you happy, Right? If marriage doesn't work out, just get a divorce, that's fine. And the sad thing is that, you know, we as the church, we are called to be salt of the earth, light of the world. But sometimes we Christians still conform to the pattern of this world instead of submitting to the authority of God's pattern and God's will and God's design. And we follow the world's practices, the world's values, the world's opinions, instead of following what the Bible says about how we should behave and what we should believe. And then, then we lose our effectiveness as salt and light because we're not different. We're no different from the world. We're like Israel, right? We, we intermarry with the ideals and values of this world. And we do as they do. 
We worship other gods. We worship the gods of materialism or success or self or whatever. And I, you know, I think this is something that, that we need to seriously pay attention to. You know, many times I, I feel that as Christians, we, we pick and choose which part of the Bible we want to hear and obey, right? You know, in, in, in Luke 6, 46, it says this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord and do not do what I say? You know, to say Jesus is the Lord of your life and then not obey Him, number one, makes no sense. And number two, that is building your life on the foundation of sand, if you read that passage, right? That's what the rest of the passage in Luke 6 talks about, you know, the foolish man builds his house upon a rock. You all sing that in Cool Club? No? Wow, what do you all sing in Cool Club? <laughs> Jesus, yeah. <laughs> okay, to say that Jesus is Lord of your life and, and not obey him, it, it, it makes no sense. God has called us to be set apart. He has called us to be different from the prevailing culture. He says, you are the light of the world. And Jesus in, in the Matthew 5 passage talks about putting a lamp on a stand. We are called to stand out. And you don't stand out if you are no different from the world. Because it is precisely our, our being different that will make us effective as salt and light. Because if having Jesus in our lives makes absolutely no difference, and we are still controlled by the things other people are controlled by, we are addicted to uh, the things that other people are addicted to. Uh, addicted to, you know, being a follower to Jesus, a follower of Jesus makes no difference to our fears and our worries and our insecurities and our priorities and our concerns. If we behave the same as the world, you know, we we go to school and study in the same way they study. We work the same way they work. Our, our goals in life are the same kind of goals. We talk the way they talk. We respond to injustice the way they respond to injustice. Or we deal with tragedy the same way. Then we don't shine. We don't shine as light of the world. Light only shines because there is a contrast with the darkness. If we are not different, we cannot shine. If we live and we look and we act exactly like the rest of the world, no one will care about our message. Why should they? We, are, we don't have anything different. The world won't notice us. They, they won't bother about us. And then we can't fulfill our role to be the light of the world. We can't fulfill the Great Commission. You know, I think an example of uh, an effective church um, is in the book of Acts. Right? If you turn to Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, 42 onwards is a passage that I've been thinking about a lot. And I, I keep talking to the leaders about it. Because I've just been thinking about what, what a church should be, okay? It's a, it's a very um, short passage. I'm just going to read it. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 onwards. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, into the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added, added to their number daily those who are being saved. You know, it, it doesn't say explicitly in the passage 
But I believe that the church and the Christians described here were, were really fulfilling their role as light of the world. Verse 47 says, they enjoyed the favor of all the people. So I don't know exactly what they did, but I, I guess they wouldn't have just met in a place and then did their own thing. Like, why would that make them enjoy the favor of people, right? So perhaps they were, you know, they were blessing the community somehow. They, they went out there and, and they were good and useful contributing members of society in various ways, right? They enjoyed the favor of all the people. And, you know, if you look at this church, right, they, are, they were radically different. Verse 44 says they had everything in common. They shared everything. Can you imagine we all, we share everything? Like your clothes are my clothes, your shoes are my shoes, you know, your makeup's my makeup, your car is my car. No, that's dead, man. I'm the only one who has a car. You know, your, your house is my house, right? They shared everything. They had everything in common. And in verse 45, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Wow, that's like next level, right? And I believe that they, this, was, this was legit, you know, because Acts chapter 4 talks about it again, right? It's kind of like very similar things, Acts chapter 4. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their, was their own, but they shared everything they had. They shared everything. And then verse 34 says, there were no needy persons among them. No needy persons. Can you imagine that? For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine, like, let, let's say one guy, you know, he's like, his daughter's very sick in hospital, like, very high medical bills. And then someone else is just like, hey, bro, don't worry, I just sell my car, then you take the money. No worries. Right? Or, or another, and another guy is like, wow. God has really blessed me, man. I, th- I think I'll just sell my condo. Like, I don't need to live in this nice house, you know, just live in some small flat. And then like, hey, here, Peter, here's the $1 million from my condo sales. Just give to whoever needs it. That's, that's what they said, right? Anyone who had need. I mean, who does this? Right? Who shares at this level? Who is generous to this extent? I mean, sometimes people don't even do this for their own blood relatives, Right? Because we think we all need to just take care of ourselves. But the ex-church, so different. Counter-culture. Not self-serving, but sacrificially loving and sharing. Just like Jesus. And I believe it was because they were so different. Because their light shone before men who saw their good deeds. And praised the Father in heaven. That we read in chapter 2 verse 47. The Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. They preached the gospel simply by the way they lived and, and, and loved each other. You know, they, they just let their light shine. You know, I heard a story of a, a salesperson who was trying to sell a customer something. Okay, so he tried to sell, but he was unsuccessful. And then he told his boss, like, you know, you can lead the horse to the water, but you can't make him drink. Have you heard that phrase? Yeah? And the boss was like, no, that's not your job. Your job is to make him thirsty. That's what, that's what advertising tries to do, right? Make you thirsty, right? Most of the time, advertisements are not like, buy this, it's really good, right? It's just like, oh, you know, if you have this, you will blah, 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 right? You, it makes us thirsty. Make them thirsty. And, and you know, I think that's what the ex-church did. They made the people around them thirsty. They enjoyed the favor and people were like, wow, what is that? They are so different. 
And, th- and that's why they attracted people to Jesus. And I think we have to ask ourselves, you know, do we live our lives so radically different from the world that people are thirsty for what you have, for what we have? I want to share with you um, um, something about two of my friends. Um, just like a few weeks ago, one of my friends, she messaged me out of the blue and she said, you know, my father has uh, stage 4 cancer, cancer of the mouth, and it's really serious. He has to, like, um, recon- go for surgery and reconstruct the entire jaw. You know, it's going to be 18 hours, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's really bad. And she was really upset. And she said, please pray for me. And, and I mean, of course, I feel bad for her. But, you know, in a sense, I was glad that she asked for prayer. She's not a Christian. You know, she's a nominal Catholic. Um, and, 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 you know, I, we've tried, I've tried to have spiritual conversations, but they always end up kind of cliched because, like, she, she kind of believes but not really committed, you know. And, and, and I thought, yeah, okay, this is, this is really a good time to talk to her and, and, and just bless her. Um, and so she asked for prayer. And, uh, um, like, maybe two years ago, uh, one of my ex-colleagues, um, out of the blue, you know, she's a Chinese HOD, like, you know, my Chinese sucks, so, but, we, we, you know, we're, we're friends, but we don't, like, we're not, like, great friends, right? But my Chinese HOD, you know, she suddenly randomly, like, messaged me on Facebook, and she was just like, uh, Joanne, can you pray for my husband? She's not a Christian, because um, he's very sick, you know, like, cancer and all that kind of stuff. Um, and she was like, hey, remember to pray, okay? Just, just help pray, okay, for him. And, 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 um, and yeah, she's, she's not a Christian. And, and you know, um, maybe it's because like now my official job is a pastor. But, but, but I also hope that, it was that, that these people approached me because they saw something in me at some point. And, you know, these are not people that I was like, 老师,你要相信主, you know, like, no, I just, I didn't try that, you know. Um, but I, I, I hope that it was because at some point, you know, or, or just... They, they saw something in me, like some kind of a hope or security or, or faith or even like a relationship with God that in their time of crisis, when they needed that hope and security and faith, that they thought of me and they, they asked for prayer. You know, I, I hope it was because um, I had all this while been shining as light of the world um, to, you know, while we were friends. So at that point when they were looking for light... They then approach me. And, and I think that is how we should be living our lives. You know, not, not that, it may not be that every day we are just like, repent for the kingdom of God, right? But we just live our lives as, you know, shining the light of Christ, and representing Him and reflecting His goodness um, and His glory. So, let's recap. You are the light of the world, Right? And that means that we need, as Christians, to penetrate non-Christian society. We need to be out there. We cannot be, like, hiding and just, you know, segregated. We just do our own Christian things. That's all. Right? We need to be out there. And number two, we need to be radically different from non-Christians. Because if we were out there, but we are exactly the same as everybody, then we are also not effective. Right? So we need to be in the world, but not off the world. And, and because of this, I think there are two traps that as, as, as a church or as Christians, we can easily fall into which will make us ineffective in being light of the world, which is this. Either we withdraw from the world and we just stay in this churchy bubble, like the holy huddle. You know, every year we just wait for youth camp and then we're very happy at youth camp, but like for the rest of the year, like our lives are no different. Or every week we just wait for youth service 
And then we're like, okay, we feel quite happy, we feel quite encouraged. Sometimes we're a bit hyped up, you know, everyone's nice to me here. And I come here and hear, okay, God loves me, great. God's going to help me, great. Um, but oh man, Monday to Friday, I just, I just thank, like, I just thank school, I just try to survive. And then, oh, phew, it's the weekend again. Okay, come, God, you know, help me. And, and we just make zero impact on our world. We cannot fall into this trap. Right? If half the time we just want to escape from the world, stay in our little comfort Christian zone, our safe Christian zone, and we make zero impact on the world. And every week we just come and we want to hear how God loves me, how God's going to help me in my exams, God is for me, not against me, and we just want to receive God's love and presence, and, and that's it. Like people out there, who, what? No, no, ain't nobody got time for that. I just, I need to come and be encouraged first. I need to be fed first. Like evangelism, no, 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 I need to be fed. I need to feel good first. I need to have the feels first. You know, my needs are not met yet. And then we just withdraw. And we are completely ineffective as salt and light. And so that's one trap that we, we withdraw. But the other trap is that then we conform. We are so much out there and so much a part of the world that we conform to its values, its standards. Jesus makes like no difference in our lives or very marginal difference in our lives and we are no different from non-Christians. If we withdraw or we conform, either way, we cannot influence and change the world. Then we become a light hidden under a bowl, which is useless, or we become salt that has lost its saltiness because we're just mixed up. And we're no longer good for anything except to be thrown out. So what should we do? How can we fulfill our calling to be light of the world? And I want to suggest two things that I, I hope will be practical, okay? And the first is this. Consider your testimony. Consider your testimony. Consider what your life reflects and shows about Jesus and about Christianity. You know, have, you, have you heard people say stuff like, you know, if you were arrested for being a Christian... Would there be enough evidence to convict you? That's bad. <laughs> you know, is there enough evidence? Or would they be like, oh, he attends church, but other than that, no real sign of him being a follower of Jesus, you know, if, if people look at your life. You know, the, the most effective form of evangelism is when people embody the things they say, when they are authentic, right? When we are the message, you know, your non-Christian friends have probably never read the Bible, right? And so your life needs to show them the message of the Bible because they probably are not going to be like, hey, hey, read this, read this. Like, what? 66 books? Right? So our life has to show the message of the Bible. Your non-Christian friends don't know Jesus. Your life has to show them what Jesus is like, the difference Jesus makes in a life, how he can turn a life around, what he gives, what he offers. Our lives need to reflect God. Our, our lives, our light needs to shine so that men will see our good deeds and they will see our good life and they will then see our Father in heaven. When people look at us, do they see Jesus? When people look at you and your life, does it make them thirsty? Does it make them thirsty for the hope and the joy and the peace and the strength and the security that Jesus has given you? And so that's for us as individuals, but also corporately as a ministry. I think we need to ask ourselves these questions as well, you know. Consider our testimony as a ministry. Imagine if a non-Christian walks in and he looks at us worshipping. Would, would he be able to see and, and see like, wow, this God is really worthy of worship? 
this God is really powerful and, and glorious and majestic? Or would they just think like, why are you doing karaoke? Eh? Right? What would they see? You know, if a non-Christian friend came and, and hung out with us in Lao Jen, would he think, wow, this group really loves each other. There are no needy persons among them. You know, there's so much genuine love and warmth and, and sense of belonging in this place. I, I want to be a part of this group. Or would they be like, oh, just like any other social club? Right? Do we as a community and as individuals make people thirsty for Jesus? Are we light of the world? So consider, consider our testimony. Consider your testimony. And the second thing is this, you know, we have to pray. I know some of you will be thinking like, there's no way I can be light of the world. Uh. My life is just, I really cannot, uh, you know. And I'm telling you, it's, it's really not you. It's not your own light. None of us have goodness of our own that, that we are like, oh yeah, we are really influential and nice people. That's why we can let our light shine. We're just reflectors. And so we got to pray and ask God, ask God, help me be a light. Help me be light of the world. Help me be a good testimony. Help me impact and influence my world because it has to be you, Jesus. I have no goodness of my own. And pray and ask God for opportunities to bless your friends, right? To share God's love with them, to show them the light of Jesus. And ultimately, we want the light of Jesus to completely defeat their darkness and be the light that gives them eternal life. And so we pray for their salvation. You know, I think we should be constantly praying for people's salvation, constantly. Because it literally is a matter of life and death. What is at stake are people's eternal destinies. So pray, pray for your friends, pray for your families who don't yet know Jesus. You know, if we are the light of the world, giving light to everyone, then we would want everyone to know, we want to point everyone to the true light, Jesus Christ. You know, before he went up to heaven, Jesus told the disciples very plainly, go. Go, make disciples. Go and, and go into all the world. Preach the good news to all creation. Go. So let's pray that God will help us to go. Let's pray here, I am, send me prayers. And then let's go. Tell the world about Jesus. And I also want to encourage you to pray for opportunities to talk to your friends about Jesus. Invite them to church. You know, I, I mean, evangelism is not just about getting people into a church or like inviting them to a church event, but that's one thing you can do as part of evangelism. I showed you our calendar at the start, right? Ask God for opportunities to invite your friends, you know, for Nerf Wars, for like PPP, MMM, for camp. Anytime, just come to church. You know, I believe that God can speak to, to people through, through anything. It can be through a sermon. It can be through the worship. It can be just through, through fellowship. Right? Start praying for your friends. And then get your CG. Get your CGLs to pray with you as well. As a church, as a ministry, we are light of the world. And we want to shine His light into our world. We cannot just stay here and do our own thing. And I want to end by, by sharing um, a sobering thought I heard from a sermon this week as I was studying this passage. So the speaker is this guy called John Stott, and he said this. He said, salt hinders decay. Salt hinders decay, right? And light dispels darkness, right? And as salt of the earth and light of the world, that is what the church and Christians are supposed to do 
in society. We are supposed to hinder decay and dispel darkness. And so, if we look around and we see that society is messed up, and there is darkness and decay all around, then you know what? The church has not done its job. The church has not done its job. So instead of sitting in church and saying, oh, what a terrible world out there. What is this world coming to? You know, so much that is wrong and, 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 and all that. We need to see that we Christians have not fulfilled our role and responsibility to be salt and light if we see darkness and decay all around. Because when meat decays, right, you don't blame the meat. Because of course it will decay if it is left out there without any preservative. And so of course society becomes corrupt and, and screwed up. We live in a fallen world. There is sin. Man is sinful by nature. The question is, where is the church? Where has the church been? What are the Christians doing? Why are we not dispelling darkness and hindering decay? Jesus told us to be light of the world, salt of the earth, and therefore if rottenness and evil abounds, we have not done our job or we have not done enough. And now I know, of course, society will never be perfect, right? Only when Jesus comes, the new heaven and earth and all that. But we can shine a light into the darkness. And in fact, we have a responsibility to do so as Christians and as a church. You are the light of the world. And, and I'm sure I don't have to convince you about this. You know, there really is darkness and decay all around. I mean, there's just so many things we can talk about, right? All over the world, morality standards are falling, right? I mentioned just now, you know, the institution of marriage is becoming a mockery. Divorce rates are getting higher and higher in Singapore as well, um, not just in other countries. You know, you would have heard about the mass killing recently in Las Vegas, right? Deadliest mass shooting in America. And to me, the scary thing is that just a year ago, there was a shooting at Orlando as well in the nightclub, and they were reporting that that, is the, that was the deadliest mass shooting. And like in, two, in one year, the record is broken twice. Depression is on the rise everywhere, more and more, everywhere. Suicide rates increasing in Singapore particularly. They can occur from as young as 10 years old. Among teenagers, people your age, right? Last year, there were 22 teenage suicides, 19 years and below. That's almost two every month. Two teenagers, two of your peers dying every month. People will feel so hopeless and dejected that they just decided to end it all. There's darkness all around. And then sometimes, of course, you hear of like freak accidents, you know, teenagers who suddenly, you know, some accident, they die in school. When, when I was teaching, there was a student in my school. I didn't teach her, but she was in my school. And on the second last day of her O-levels, she was stabbed to death by her maid. Like, what? She wasn't a Christian. A young life, lost, just like that. There is darkness all around. The world needs the light of Jesus. We cannot sit in our holy bubble and do nothing. Right? Look around you and your friends. This generation needs the light of Jesus. They need it. And it is our responsibility as Christians, to hinder decay and dispel darkness. Lao Jen, you are the light of the world. We need to rise up 
and be light of the world. We need to impact and influence our friends and our family for Jesus. And you know, there is an urgency. When I, when I shared about evangelism, the leader, somebody said, yeah, there is an urgency. Jesus is coming again soon. You know, so many passages in the Bible, they, they warn us to be ready for the day of the Lord when Jesus comes. There is an urgency to win our friends and family for Jesus. Change their eternal destiny. Let the true light of the world become the Lord of their lives. There is darkness all around. There is an urgency. Will you rise up to be the light of the world? I want to end with this passage from Romans 10. It says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And there's so much you can say about this passage, but I want us to pay attention to the part that says, how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? Loud Jen, will you be the light of the world as Jesus says you are? Will you be salt and light and shine for him in your world where you have been placed? Or will you hide your light under a bowl? It is our responsibility to be light of the world. I want us to respond to this today, but I don't want to have an altar call because this is not an option, you know. It's not like who wants to sign up to be light of the world. Jesus says you are, you are the light of the world. It is the great commission, commandment. It is not an option. We all have to step up and be light of the world. And so to respond, I, I want us to gather in our CGs and I want us to really, as a CG, be praying together, be praying for, for, you know, for people out there, but also be praying that we will rise up to be salt and light of the world as we are called. Okay, so sorry, there's, there's no music or mood music or anything, but let's just gather in our CGs and let's be praying. Sorry, CGLs, I didn't warn you before, but just gather your people and, and let's be praying that we will heed the call to be light of the world. We will be effective and influence our world for Jesus.
let's begin to round up. If you're done, maybe we can rise and I'm going to close. You know, I know sometimes it's, it's not easy to be salt and light. I mean, it is very high calling, you know. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. And he says, I am the light of the world. Basically, to be like Jesus. <clears throat> and that's not easy at all. But I think we should be constantly asking God to make us more and more like Jesus so that we can really be light of the world. And you know, can you imagine if every one of us, wherever we are placed, we really shine brightly for Jesus. We, we, we spread the love and the light of Christ to all the people around us. It's like, like what I told you at the start, right? It's like when you walk into the room, like there's light, you know, and there's the aroma of Christ and there's the light of Christ radiating from you. And, and that, that, is, that is what we, we hope to be. And just imagine if every one of us in Lao Jen lived our life 
like that. With 12 disciples who lived their life like that, Jesus turned the whole world upside down. Imagine what He can do if all of us commit to living our lives like that. And so today, I, I, I want to pray for you. And as we come before God, you know, if you're really serious about being light of the world, I just want to invite you to lift your hands to God. It's a sign of surrender. Because we, we can't do this on our own, right? We have no light of our own. But we say, Jesus, would you use me to reflect your light so that I can really be light of the world. So if you're serious about that, just lift your hands to Jesus and I'm going to pray for you. God, would you help us? Would you help us and would you equip us and empower us to be light of the world? It's so difficult, God. But would you help us? Give us your strength. Give us your love. Give us your kindness and compassion. Give us your patience and, and, and everything, God, that is in you. Would you help us to be light of the world? God, wherever you have placed us, would you help us to really impact and influence our world for Jesus? God, we pray that we will not be content to just remain hidden under a bowl. But God, we will make every effort to let our light shine before men. Not because we're trying to earn salvation or, or, or score points with you, but because we want to please you and we want men to glorify you and praise you. So God, help us, equip us, help us as individuals. And God, would you help us as a ministry, as Loud Gen, to always have that outward-looking heart and, 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 and attitude that, that God, every time when, when, when we think about what we want to do as a ministry, we'll be thinking how we can bless the people around us. That we won't just be thinking about ourselves and what can make us happy or what can encourage us. But God, we will really desire to shine your light to the people around you, around us. So Father, help us. Help us be salt of the earth. Help us be light of the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we will see you next week for Cell Group.